psalmist declared, Oh, how I love your law. What does it really mean to love God's Word? Stay with me, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. I'm Michael Rydelnik. I'm the academic dean, and I'm also a professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. I'm so glad to be sitting around the radio kitchen table with you, taking your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. If you have a question and you'd like to call, the phone number here is 877-548-3675. Let me give you that again. Write it down, 877-548-3675. And people always want to know, what's the clue? What's the key to getting your call in? The best way to do it is to call right away, right at the outset of the program before everyone else decides to call. So 877-548-3675. Trisha McMillan is our producer. Handling all things technical today is Courtney Young, and Lynn is answering the phones. Well, go get your cup of coffee. We always have to have and Trish has given me a wonderful cup of coffee. Thank you, Trish. And uh, get your coffee. Open your Bible, an actual Bible. That's always good. Not just your phone, not just your iPad, but a real print, paper, and ink Bible, and we're going to study the scriptures together. But before we get to your questions, let's talk about loving God's Word. It seems that every small appliance I buy has an instruction booklet that I take out of the box, drop into a file drawer, and only pull it out when I need it. For example, recently Eva and I purchased a new drip coffee maker, And the only time I used the instruction manual was when I tried to set the clock. Similarly, when we bought a new air conditioning unit, we ignored the instruction booklet completely. We plugged it in, hit the on button, that was it. But then, a few months later, an annoying little red light came on telling us to clean the filter. So I cleaned the filter. But I couldn't get rid of the red light. Then I had to spend about a half hour looking for that instruction booklet, found it, five minutes or so looking for the answer in the booklet, and then it just took me 10 seconds to turn off the red light. That was the simple part. With the new school year upon us, for most of us, and also the Jewish New Year starting next week, I'm thinking about how we ought to view the Bible with this upcoming New Year. As it is, Too often we use the Bible as if it's a manual for small appliances. We keep it around someplace and only pull it out to be read if and when we need to address some issue in our lives. That's not how God intended us to use his word. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law, the Hebrew word Torah. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. This verse emphasizes what our attitude and our actions should be towards God's Word. First, we should love the Bible. The first words of this verse surprise us when we think of the word law, uh, because we think of the word law as a harsh, cold set of rules. How do we love that? But the word Torah actually means instruction or teaching. In fact, The HCSB translates this verse as, How I love your instruction. It captures how we're to consider the Bible, 
as God's instruction for life. The Bible reveals wisdom, gives warnings, commands obedience, offers hope, gives godly examples, provides promises to claim, and teaches truths about God. God's instruction book contains all this and much more. No wonder the psalmist declares his love for it. And if we recognize the Bible as well as that, as all that, well, we'll love it also. And if we love God's instructions, the psalmist reveals what action we should take. He says it is his daily meditation. The Hebrew word used for meditation refers to deep thought or long contemplation. The psalmist is saying that because he loves God's instructions, he spends time pondering it every day, all day. It's not enough to make grand declarations of love for the Bible. We need to also take concrete action to input the Bible into our minds, hearts, lives. So how do we do that? Here's three suggestions. First, if we love the Bible, we'll read it daily. This seems so obvious, but too often we neglect this principle. I was asking a friend who has read the Bible every day for nearly 50 years without missing a single day, what was the key to his faithfulness? His answer was straightforward. He said, since the God of the universe chose to reveal himself in his word, it makes sense for me to listen to what he says every day. Second, if we love the Bible, we'll study it regularly. This is in addition to our regular reading of the word. It might be like Tricia, our producer, who, uh, she's Open Lines producer, she's part of a small group Bible study that requires weekly preparation in order for her to participate. She has to study God's Word. Or for me, in order to teach the Bible, I need to put the time in to study it in greater depth. I need to do that all the time. Another example is my wife, Eva, who regularly chooses a Bible book and then studies it using commentaries, dictionaries, lexicons. She doesn't only do this so she can teach. She studies to develop her own deeper knowledge of God's Word. For some, it might be carefully studying the message that we hear at our weekly worship services. Whatever approach we choose, it's not enough only to read the Bible. We need to study it as well. Third, if we love the Bible, it will occupy our thoughts even when we're not reading and studying. That's what meditation means. Having read and studied the Word, we need to contemplate where it fits in our lives and what steps we need to take to adjust our behavior to fit its teaching. No, no matter how much we may read the Bible, it's insufficient if we fail to let it speak into our lives. It's dangerous to traffic in unlived truth. And to apply God's Word, we need to spend time pondering it or meditating on it. The Bible isn't a small appliance manual that we pull out when something breaks down or when a warding light goes off in our lives. Instead, we need to view the scriptures as God's instruction book that guides us in every area of life. It needs to fill our thoughts every day and all day. If that's our view, then we'll agree with the psalmist. Oh, how I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. In light of that opening word, let's talk about our current resource. It's our new resource. Uh, although we need to read, study, and meditate 
on God's Word. At times, it can be a challenge to understand, and that's why Pastor Colin Smith's uh, booklet, 10 Keys for Unlocking the Bible, is so helpful. These are treasures that will change our lives. It's a small book, but it gives us a big picture of how to read the Bible. It will unlock a deeper understanding of Scripture so that we get more time out of, more benefit out of our time in the Word. It's a really simple and helpful guide that will make the Bible more accessible to all who read it. And it's yours when you give a gift of any size to Open Line. It's just a way for us to say thank you for your generosity. Just call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And when you give, we just want to say thank you. So be sure to ask for 10 keys for unlocking the Bible. And now we're going to speak with Sharon in Cleveland, Ohio, listening on WCRF. Welcome to Open Line. How can I help you today? Hi, Dr. Ray and Eldon. I listen to you all the time, and I just am so thankful that God has put you where he has. My daughter asked me the other day, she said, why did God let the devil, why didn't he just stop him? And uh, I've looked in Scripture, and I can't really, I, I couldn't find anything to give her to answer that, other than that God gives us a free will and and. But she's like, why? Why does the devil have so much power on the earth today? Why? Why is this? I mean, it's, it's really, she just doesn't understand it. I mean, yeah. she's an adult, but she just doesn't yeah. understand why. Well, you know, I think the minute I say I can understand everything that God does, I'll be mistaken. You know, I don't, I don't always understand everything. Here's what I do know. Uh, first, first of all, if Satan had not fallen, there would have been no test of human beings. He was the one that tempted Adam and Eve. Up till then, there was a holiness that Adam and Eve had, but it was untested. It was like they were robots. You know, we, we will obey God as robots. There's no uh, love for him then. That's just programming. So when Satan could test or tempt what Satan did was tempt Adam and Eve. What God was doing was testing whether they were obeying because, obeying because of programming or because of obedience and love for him. And, of course, they failed. Uh, and that's why part of this whole world is uh, God has provided redemption. He provided redemption for Adam and Eve, and he provided redemption for us, obviously, through faith in Jesus the Messiah. But what this has done is it's enabled God to show, to, for us to show that we're actually uh, human beings, personal beings who can respond in faith and love to God. And, and so I think that there is a sense where uh, there would have been no redemption, which I think is greater than being robots. Uh, there had been no redemption on the part of God in, a, in terms of our relationship with him if Satan had not fallen and affected the world this way. Uh, and also, you know, some philosophers have pointed out, I think this is what Romans 8 talks about, that the whole creation is groaning, looking for its redemption. The, 
the greatest of all possible worlds is not a world in which there was no sin, but a world in which sin has been overcome. When, uh, when God, through the redemption of Jesus, and when he returns and establishes a righteous kingdom, that shows what the greatest of all possible worlds are. Because there are so many things, and, and one, people say, well, how can that be? Well, one thing that happens is that there are virtues that would not exist had there not been sin. So, for example, uh, an example of that would be a, a soldier diving on a grenade to save his platoon. That kind of sacrifice would not exist were not the, they're the evil of war. So we, you know, I, I, I think of uh, my mom in concentration camp who showed tremendous courage to try and save lives. I won't tell the whole story here, but she showed tremendous courage. You know, I always think of my mom as, uh, as someone who is like your classic mother. She made me feel guilty all the time, you know. She'd buy me two shirts. I'd wear one the next day, and she'd say, what, she didn't like the other one? And so, but really when I thought about my mom, when it came to the most important issues, she had this virtue of courage and willingness to sacrifice her own life to save others. That virtue would not exist but for the evil that she faced there in concentration camp uh, as, as a young woman. And so in many respects, the best of all possible worlds is one in which evil has been overcome, but also it's a better world that there was evil because it created virtues that we would never know but for the evil in the world. So that's kind of a quick answer, Sharon. Uh, I hope that gets you started on this search for meaning about why God allows evil and the devil in the world. Uh, I hope that's helpful, Sharon. Uh, We're going to come back with more questions. Thanks for your call, Sharon. Thanks for all of you who are calling. We're going to get right back to you and take your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life I'm Michael Rydelnik, and I'm going to be right back, so don't go away. We're back. My name is Michael Rydelnik. This program is called Open Line. Our phone number, 877-548-548. 3675. Feel free to call with your question about the Bible, God, or the spiritual life. One aspect of Open Line that I hope is apparent to everyone listening is that this is not a solo program. We have a terrific team here. Trish, our producer, keeps us organized on target. Courtney, our engineer, keeps us sounding great. There's a group of capable phone answers that turn take turns talking with you first. There's all the good people in administration at Moody Radio. We all partner together to help you try, help you, because we're trying to help you understand God's word better and walk closer with Jesus. And there are others who are part of the team, the open line team, but you may not be aware of them. They are the open line kitchen table partners. They're listeners who commit to give monthly to open line so we can help people with their questions weekly. Uh, Their partnership keeps us on the air every week. I 
I can't tell you how much I appreciate you Kitchen Table Partners. I appreciate all our listeners, but boy, that commitment means so much. I hope if you're listening and Open Line has been uh, significant in your growth in your walk with the Lord, I hope you'll consider joining our team by becoming a Kitchen Table Partner. And if you do, I'll send you a special audio Bible study every other week prepared exclusively for our Kitchen Table Partners. Become a Kitchen Table Partner today by calling 888-644-7122. Let me give you that number again, 888-644-7122. Or you can go sign up online at openlineradio.org. We're going to go back to the phones now, and we're going to speak with Laura in Florence, South Carolina, listening to WLPG. Welcome to Open Line, Laura. How can I help you? Hi, daughter Rydelnik. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How can I help? Um, I had a relative who was very close relative who was speaking to two other very close relatives about salvation, and he, they were um, saying that um, they didn't believe in it or whatever that that everybody wouldn't have a chance, you know, to accept Jesus as their savior and. I don't remember how it actually came up, but they were talking about, you know, what about when did somebody reach the age of accountability and and what about people who didn't, you know, babies and how about mentally challenged people, would they go to hell or go to heaven? And what this person said to them, they were talking about specifically mentally challenged people who, who don't have the capacity, you know, to accept Jesus as Savior, you know, very mentally retarded people. And, mm-hmm. and if they died, you know, what would happen to them? And and what this person said was next that floored me because I'd never heard this before. They said that that um, Jesus would bring them back with him to the millennial kingdom, and that then they would have a chance to accept Jesus as Savior or not during the millennial reign. I never heard that before in my life. I was like, and I did ask the person, "Where did you get that from?" And he was like. What? 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 You never heard that before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Blah blah. I didn't challenge him anymore on it at the time because he was in a very heated argument with these other two um, relatives, and um, and it got more heated after that. And so I wasn't able to to speak to him about it. And I'm going to speak to you first and ask you about this. Have you ever heard this before? And where would they get that from? Is there scripture to refute this? Because what this person is using is scripture is all the scriptures that say. That, you know, there is no salvation apart from Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. So yeah. he's saying, well, if, and if they didn't have the capacity to accept Jesus then, then they're still going to have to accept him at some point. And so, you know, that's supposedly when they do it is when he brings them back with him to earth during the millennial reign. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, there's no verse that says that, what he's saying about the millennial reign. There's just no verse that says that. Uh, and... Uh, He's making that up. That's what he thinks. Okay, and and people are entitled. Well, yeah. I mean, people are entitled to have their own opinion. You know, so, uh, but the Bible doesn't say that. What the Bible says in Genesis twenty-five is, uh, Dave, uh, Abraham asked God in light of his judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, "Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right?" And so when it comes to judgment, eternal or temporal, 
One of the most foundational thoughts that we have to believe and trust is the creator of the world, the judge of all the earth, will always do what is right. So I trust him. He's going to do what's right. Uh, secondly, it uh, seems to me that the best way of approaching this is to understand that people who are not capable of a faith choice, that people, babies, who have not really gotten to the place of understanding good and evil and choosing. You know, when, when a toddler has a temper tantrum, that's not because they're morally uh, behaving in a rebellious way against God. That's just toddlers. You know, there, there comes a point where toddlers understand uh, or children understand right from wrong and they're choosing wrong. That's different than what babies do, a baby crying too much or, or something like that. Uh, you know, that, that's gas, not moral failure. You know, that, and so we have to understand that. Uh, it seems to me that uh, there might be a way. I, I don't know how God does it. I, I have, I've read some theories and theology books, but what I would say is until a child commits a sin rather than, or, or uh, and I think uh, sometimes uh, people who are uh, not capable of making a moral choice because of uh, mental uh, uh, challenges, handicaps, uh, that, that, that they're not making a moral choice. They're not actually, they have a sin nature. Everyone has a sin nature, but they wouldn't necessarily have committed a sin. Uh, I think that there's a sense where uh, uh, there's a, a graciousness of God and a mercy of God of those people who have not been able to, to make a moral choice. And so uh, I wouldn't worry. I just trust God to do what's right with those who can't believe. Uh, there's a book, by the way, I would encourage you to get. It's called Heaven for Those Who Can't Believe. It's written by Robert Leitner, uh, which I would say it's a new book, but it was new when I went to seminary. It was two years old, but now it's it's a lot older than that. But uh, it's it's a good book. Robert Leitner, Heaven for the... It's little, too. It's uh, like a 60-page book, I think. Heaven for Those Who Can't Believe. I don't know if it's still in print. Uh, if it's not... Uh, you know, maybe you can find it at a library or something like that or a used book uh, by Robert Leitner. I'm trying to think. There was a book by Roy Zook about about that same subject as well, but I'm not sure what the, what the title of it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure he wrote a book like that. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I would start with Leitner if, you, if you're interested on Heaven for Those who can't believe. But here's the thing. That's why we tell people about Jesus and we trust him. Ah, maybe it's, maybe it's, I'm just looking it up right here. Uh, Precious in his sight, childhood and children in the Bible. That might be the, the book that I was thinking about by Roy Zuck. Uh, okay. That's, that's where I would go. But you know, what we want to do is tell everyone, uh, children, as soon as they understand right from wrong, what we want to do is tell them about Jesus and then 
Secondly, uh, obviously, we pray for and uh, communicate with people all the time who do know right from wrong. We want to tell them about the, the good news that Jesus died for their sins and rose again, and they could spend eternity with God. It's, it should motivate us to be uh, communicating the good news to people. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that teaching before? Anybody oh, say that? Because uh, I have a friend, and she said she'd actually heard it before, too, coming from a pulpit. Well, And I had never heard it before. Uh, I, I don't know if I would say I'd heard it. Uh, I've heard, not from a pulpit, but I've heard it from people who are not giving any kind of biblical basis. They're just giving their opinion. So... No, I've not heard that from a pulpit or from a teacher. That's, you know, uh, I don't think that there's second chances like that. I think what we have is uh, what we have is a God who is just, uh, who will do what is right. And before a child reaches an age where they know right from wrong, which would be the age of accountability, uh, they are uh, they're going to go be with Him if if they die. Uh, before they can actually make a, a faith choice, okay? Yeah, why would, why would David have said what he did about, you know, he can't come back to me, but I'll go to him. Yeah, that's, yeah. Some people say that's David just saying he'll he'll die, but uh, I, I concur with you that David had a hope of seeing that child again for eternity. So anyway, thanks for your call, Laura. Thanks for your concern, uh, and your concern not just for those who can't believe, but for being obedient and and believing of the Bible. So appreciate that. We're going to come back with the mailbag in just a moment. So don't go away. This is Michael Reitelnik on Open Line. Welcome back to Open Line with me, Michael Radelnik, and here comes Trisha McMillan with the FEBC mailbag. We're so grateful that Far Eastern Broadcasting Company is partnering once again with Moody Radio to help bring you Open Line. You can get a, a deeper perspective on how the gospel is advancing in the world's most unreached countries through the weekly podcast called Until All Have Heard with Ed Cannon. All the details for this and more about FEBC's extensive outreach can be found at febc.org. That's F-E-B-C, as in Far Eastern Broadcasting Company, febc.org. And here comes Trisha, the queen of the questions right there. You've got a bunch of them here for me, don't you? I do. Yeah. Uh, well, did you have a good Labor Day weekend? That's what I got to ask. I did. Yeah. I did. I had a lovely weekend. You celebrated slept my in on birthday. Saturday last week? Um, I don't think I did. But, you celebrated your birthday? Celebrated You're admitting you had a birthday? birthday? I did. Yeah. Oh. I love birthdays. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I sent you a text that you day. Did. Not a card, just a text. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think Eva sent you a card. I don't she know. Said, well, she at least sent me a text. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that you enjoyed birthdays still. Yeah, I do. You get to my age, it's not as much fun as it used to be, just so you know. I don't know. I think people are worth celebrating. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. I do like my birthday, you know, uh, for different reasons through the years. Now I like my birthday because I generally get to see my grandkids, and that's mm-hmm. always fun. So mm-hmm. there we go. Yeah. You know. They say, Poppy... 
you've had a lot of these, haven't you? And I think, <laughs> oh, yeah, I have. So. That means you know how to how to celebrate them well. Yeah, right. <laughs> you've had practice. Yeah, a lot of them. So there we go. <laughs> my my youngest was going around telling everyone how old I was. <laughs> I was like, so we went out to dinner, and she she says, "Oh, it's my mom's birthday today, and she's this old." And they were like, "Okay." <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> and I did tell her earlier. I said, "Some people." I said, "I'm fine with it." Some people don't want their ages told because that's <laughs> because when you're six. You want to know how old people are because exactly. that's an important number. Yeah. And um, not so much when you're a little older. People don't <laughs> want to share that number. That's right. As well, much. I'm 39. So. <laughs> Perpetually 39. Yeah, 39 plus. That's wonderful. It. Yeah, that's it. There we go. Okay. Well, let's 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 go over these All questions right. here. Our first question is from Instagram. Um, Kelrob63 saw a video um, talking about God's name being in our DNA. And I have seen several videos that that will take small things about us or or um, that will do these, I'll call them like teaching segments almost, where they're these short, fast little videos that will um, go dig a really deep dive into something. And then you leave going, wow, mm-hmm. that's, wow, is that true? And you, and you don't have really anything other than this person who you may or may not know um, telling you this. So. We'll stick with this this one specifically. God's name is in our DNA. I can't find anything in Scripture. Now, of course, I'm not saying that I know everything in Scripture, but I can't find anything in Scripture that says that God's name is in our DNA. Here's another thing. I don't think the Bible talks about DNA. Hmm. I just don't think it does. And so if a person's saying God's name is in our DNA, they're not getting it from Scripture because okay. the Bible doesn't address DNA. So I would... I think I'd put it simple and say, if the plain sense of the scriptures, if the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense, lest it result in nonsense. And this is in the nonsense category. That's the simple answer. Okay. How should we respond when we see videos like this? Don't watch Um, them. Don't watch them. Okay. I mean, sometimes they seem very insightful. Yeah, don't watch them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. uh, You know, when people start also... One of the things I've seen on some of these quick videos is, oh, the Hebrew of this passage means, Mm -hmm. and I think, I know Hebrew, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that. Uh, There are people out there that want to find deeper meanings, hidden meanings in Hebrew or sometimes in Greek, but usually it's Hebrew. I don't know why it is that they think Hebrew, that there's secret, hidden, mysterious meanings. I know one very well... Uh, well, he's a best-selling author, and everything he ever teaches or writes is about the deeper mysteries of hmm. the Bible. And I, I got to say, Isaiah forty-eight sixteen should be our guide. It says, Behold, from the beginning, God says, I have not spoken in secret. God doesn't want to hide things from us. He wants to reveal things from, to us. That's why he gives us the scriptures. And so the plain meaning of the scriptures is what should guide us. And even when there is a mystery, like, for example, the triune nature of God is a mystery, how God can be sovereign and human beings still responsible, that's a mystery. Uh, there are antinomies. There are things that the Bible states as true and we're expected to trust. And so it doesn't mean that uh, it's not plainly stated. It just means there are some things that are mysterious. 
But when these deeper meanings that are brought out, if you know the Hebrew and if you dig deeper and no, that's not the case at all. So what we need to do is stick to the plain sense of scripture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which does say that we are made in God's image. Yeah. That's so in that, that sense, his, his print is on us, yeah. on each one of us. That, that's sufficient, don't you think? I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Next question. Actually, the next two um, are harder issues about the same thing, kind of. Um, Barbara on Facebook said that scripture says God puts all rulers in their positions, but looking at Hitler, um, how do we make peace with, with leaders like Hitler or Stalin or, um, people like that who were not good leaders Yeah, or evil? But I just was studying Daniel four with a class mm-hmm. and it's what Nebuchadnezzar, who was a vicious tyrant and conqueror, what he said, uh, this is what he learned because of God disciplined him with madness for seven years, right? Uh, he thought he was a cow. He thought he was cattle, mm-hmm. boanthropy. Uh, when, when, what he learned was, this is so the living will know that the most high is ruler over the kingdom of men. He gives it to anyone he wants and sets the lowliest of men over it. This is the principle that Israel was supposed to learn about the times of the Gentiles, that they're going to live under ungodly Gentile rule, and, and yet God is sovereign over that. Now, why God allows evil men like Nebuchadnezzar, like all the other evil rulers, and, you know, Attila the Hun and others that have been evil, and obviously Hitler, who I would say is probably the most evil of rulers, uh, why does he allow that? There, there could be so many reasons, uh, but I, I can't say that I always understand the reasons that God has. There may be very, I mean, when I think about how the church in Germany was tested and how they failed, but God was testing the church in Germany, his people, to see where they would be. Uh, and uh, so I, I don't... I don't want to give it a, an answer to understand why God is sovereign over the, why God allows wicked people in, but I do want to affirm that God is sovereign over the nations, uh, and and there is God's authority to put people in place, and he's got a plan that's worked out. He's, there's going to be someone that he allows to be ruler over the world, the future false messiah during the tribulation period, who's going to be worse than Hitler. Hmm. So... Uh, and he's modeled after Antiochus. Uh, Antiochus the fourth is the pattern, a wicked, evil tyrant who uh, committed the abomination of desolation sort of in a small form that the future false messiah will do as well. It just This is part of God's sovereign plan to test his people. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. With that testing, Linda in Illinois asked, um, a question, seeing the great cost that there was in the Holocaust, um, though there were things that came out of that, like the nation of Israel, um, just 
she's wondering what what makes us think that um, why the pre-tribulation teachers would say that Christians would be spared from the future tribulation. from the future tribulation. Yeah. If if this was so horrific, um, could that happen again? Like, is this what yeah. it would look like? Well, uh, well, first of all, her response that some people have considered that possibly true. Some others don't about the price of redemption. Uh, many Jewish people find the price of redemption to be very offensive. The idea that God would require the death of six million, including one and a half million children, uh, for uh, for the price of redemption. I think I don't like that idea. I think that God in His sovereignty. Uh, by, by the way, I think Israel would have come to existence with or without that. Mm-hmm. It, the Holocaust made the timing made the world for a brief moment more res- responsive to the idea of the need for a Jewish state. So maybe it played a role. I don't know. Uh, but I do think that God can indeed bring good out of evil. And that's what I think he did with with the Holocaust and the creation of Israel. But I wouldn't want to call it the price that had to be paid. I would feel a little reluctant to do that. Okay. God could have done it some other way. Right. But he does bring good even out of evil. So I would, there's something there, but I wouldn't put too much uh, weight on that. Uh, I'll tell you why uh, pre-trip teachers, meaning me, mm-hmm. uh, would say that the believers will be removed before the tribulation begins. In First Thessalonians Chapter 1, you hear my pages turning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, this is what it says. Uh, in verse 10, we wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And the tribulation period is the coming wrath. Then you look at 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, 9 where he's talking about in the context of the tribulation, he says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation or deliverance through our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. So uh, two places there, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 5.9, and then speaking to the church of Philadelphia, who represents all true believers, uh, he says in Revelation chapter 3, I think it's verse 10. Let me make sure I get it right. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, he says, Because you have kept my command, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is going to come over the whole earth to test those who live on the earth. And so that's talking about the future tribulation, the wrath of God that will fall to test the whole earth, but God will keep them out of it he promises the church. So those are some of the verses that lead people to believe that that the the wrath of God when it falls on the earth will be will be taken out. So, okay. Okay. All right, thank uh, you. Hey, Trisha, thanks for bringing the mailbag in. You're welcome. And thanks for listening everyone. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for sending your questions in. Just go to openlineradio.org and click on Ask Michael a Question, and your question will be added to the mailbag. We'll be right back with more of your calls in just a moment, right here on Open Line with Michael Rydelnik and Tricia McMillan.
so glad you stuck around with us. This is Open Line with Dr. Michael Reinhardt. So glad you're listening. In Romans 10.1, Paul said his heart's desire, and listen to this, his prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The apostle prayed for the people of Israel. That's prayer that we too often neglect. That's why Chosen People Ministries' new calendar is a great reminder to pray for the people of Israel. This year's calendar will immerse us in the land of Israel and encourage us to pray. There's just beautiful photos from the land and prompts for, for genuine prayer for the people. And this calendar, this calendar can be yours free. You know, the Jewish New Year starts in September, so the calendar runs from September of 23 all the way through December of 24. If you'd like a free copy of the Chosen People Ministries Messianic Jewish Art Calendar, just go to the Open Line website. That's our website, openlineradio.org. Scroll down, you'll see the link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. When you click on that, you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your own free copy of the 2324 Messianic Jewish Art Calendar. And we're going to speak with Dan in Scottsdale, Arizona, listening, I guess, on the Moody Radio app, listening to WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Dan. How can I help you? Hi. I have a question about, um, you know, the sightings of uh, aliens and um, ghosts. Could those be um, demons? Could be. I don't know. I I don't think the Bible says so. Uh, I'm always uh, skeptical when people state those kinds of things categorically. Uh, you know, the aliens, you know, I, I just saw the, some guy stating categorically on a YouTube video uh, that when all these alien sightings are demonic. I think, well, how does he know that? Where's he, where's he get that from Scripture? I was not, you know, I, I didn't spine the verse that they're UFOs are actually demonic. I, I just don't see that verse. Uh, ghost sightings could very well be manifestations of a familiar spirit that a person had. Uh, the familiar spirit being the person that observed a person's life, uh, maybe trying to tempt them, and then when they've passed, that familiar spirit tried to, tries to present themselves as if they're the ghost of that person. That could be. Uh, that seems more reasonable to me, but I don't know. There was a very brilliant professor I had who used to say that the UFOs were all demonic so that when the rapture happens, people are going to say that it was UFOs that took these these people away. And, he, you know, he was, he was a really brilliant man, but he then had to be in a public trial and when that trial came on, the opposing attorney said to, to discredit him, they said, did you teach this? And he said, yes, well, then everyone just thought he was crazy. And so I would be very reluctant ever to state that I know what UFOs are or if they really even exist. So the way I stick to UFOs is I read Out of the Silent Planet and Paralandra by C.S. Lewis, and that's what we call science fiction, and that's where I'll stick with it. Okay? <laughs> okay, thank you. Sure, okay. Uh, Tammy in Tyrone, Georgia, listening to WMBW. Welcome to Open Line, Tammy. How can I help you? Hi, yes. 
Dr. Arnold, Dominic. Um, I um, enjoy your program so much, and my son does too. Thank you. And um, we're, we're how, um, how old's your son? Jewish, actually. He is uh, 16, going on 17. Oh, that's my man. I want him to enjoy this program <laughs> a lot because he needs yes, to study the Bible this way. There's, he's approaching college age. And uh, I want him yes, to, I'd like him to take a look at moody.edu. This is the school to attend. It's the best foundation for life. It teach We teach you the scriptures here. And also it'll, get whatever he's going to do in life, it gives you the best foundation you can have uh, to serve the king no matter what you do for a living. So tell him to check out moody.edu. That's our website, Okay. I will. I will do that. Hey, I think did, he's listening downstairs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> tell your son this. Uh, this is more for mom than, than for your son. Uh, but that Moody Bible Institute has tuition-paid education. In other words, everyone that comes to live here in the dorms in our uh, undergraduate school gets tuition-paid scholarship. Wow. Just, people don't know that about Moody, but it's something that we need to know. It's uh, everyone is scholarship. Okay, ask your question real quick. Yes, yes. Um, I was um, wanting to know the significance of Judges 19, where it talks about the the um, the concubine um, holding onto the threshold. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. In 1927. Uh, the woman, his concubine, collapsed near the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. Get up, get up, let's go. But there was no response. I think she just didn't want to go. She was holding on to the threshold so that she wouldn't go, but then she collapsed. That's all I think it is. It's just showing that she just didn't want to go that direction. That's all it's showing. And what a tragedy that whole thing was. Thanks for your call, Tammy. Send your son to Moody. That's what we need. Uh, students of the word like that who want to learn it more. So check it out, moody.edu. Keep listening. There's a second hour of Open Line coming up in just a few moments. Make sure to, if your station doesn't carry it, you can always listen online or with the Moody Radio app. Check out our webpage during the break, openlineradio.org. has all the links that you're looking for, including our current Bible study resource and how to become a kitchen table partner. Second hour of Open Line is coming up straight ahead. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. <laughs> 